0: Welcome to episode 12 of the Bike Pack Cannon Podcast with yours truly, Ryan Corey. Uh, it is uh, 5.47 on uh, February 17th, uh, night before my 34th birthday, and uh, I just got home uh, from cycling the Icefields Parkway up to Jasper and back. Uh, my day started about almost 12 hours ago from the Mosquito Creek hostel along the Icefields Parkway and the the point or the goal of today's podcast is just kind of a recap of of that experience and um you know while things are fresh in my memory just kind of giving you the Coles notes of uh what it's like to cycle that route in the winter um you know surprisingly not not having lived in the area for very long as being an outsider is a very kind of obvious route for me um Maybe I didn't have some of the same apprehensions as as people that have lived in the area and are maybe more accustomed to to dealing with things like uh avalanches and and uh you know uh challenging winter weather so I went into it kind of as the naive rider that you know has a bit of experience with some ambitious things and my My hope I guess is that my experience will will help open the door for others because uh the Cole's notes here is that it is a tremendous winter cycling route, and uh we'll get into why that is so full transparency been on the go for about twelve hours I literally just got home uh had a shower, and uh, I'm down half a beer so i'm I've got a bit of a buzz going right now uh and i'm exhausted uh so Cole's notes in no particular order, um, you're getting the, the fresh intel as fresh as it's going to get. Um, the the more polished version, uh, mind you, will be in uh, the guidebook uh, once I have a chance to put all this down on paper. So what I've done here is I put a list of kind of obvious questions that came to mind. So these are questions that uh, I got asked while I was writing. I um, whether it be on Facebook or Twitter or, you know, people I met along the route. Um, And then just kind of supplemented with questions that uh, you might not think to ask, uh, things that I encountered along the way. Uh, So again, in no particular order, we're just going to get into it uh, in my buzz state, and and I'll try to be quick. So what is the Icefields Parkway? So it's it's, um, a 288-kilometer uh, route from uh, Banff to uh, Jasper. It is uh, a paved route. Um, it goes through uh, Jasper and Banff National Park. Uh, there's, a pretty, there's a couple of pretty substantial climbs. There's one up and over through the Columbia Icefield um, and another um, over Bow Summit, uh, which is right near the headwaters of the Bow River at uh, Bow Lake. So two pretty big climbs, uh, pretty stunning, um, length, uh, to cycle. It's a very popular road cycling route. Um, so, you know, one thing that I thought was interesting was, you know, wh- why aren't more people riding this in the winter? And there was a, a question that I was trying to answer the whole time while I was riding. Like, it seems obvious, you know, like I said, it's kind of someone that's new, new to the area. So you have a road that's, um, one very, already very popular for cycling. So the scenery is there, uh, two, you have, um, a series of established hostels along the route. So there are services, um, three, you have a route that is, um, um, uh, plowed throughout the winter. Uh, not to say, and I'll get into more detail. It's not uh, plowed to the same degree as say like the trans Canada highway would be, but it's plowed enough to the fact that you could ride a fat bike. It's almost perfect for it. So what, what are the hesitations? Why aren't more people doing this? You know, fat bikes have been growing in popularity for the last, I don't know what, five years or so. Um, so why aren't I hearing about more people doing this? Um, and I think it has to do with some fears of the unknown. Um, you know, you, you are on an established route, but uh, to, to a large extent, you are considered to be in backcountry terrain. So, you know, when we say backcountry, uh, you are without cell service for the majority of the route. Um, I think there was only one or two points where my phone actually pinged. So once you leave Lake Louise, um, So from Banff to Lake Louise, you have service. Uh, So Banff to Lake Louise is along the Bow Valley Parkway. And then you head north along uh, the Icefields Parkway, so proper Icefields Parkway, up to uh, Jasper. So from, from Jasper to Lake Louise, you pretty well have no service, except for it seems like one point right around the Athabasca hostel, which is about 30 kilometers south of Jasper. So you're you're in backcountry terrain, and now you mix that into winter, and I, that's where I'm thinking is is stopping a lot of people from doing this is kind of the unknowns of, you know, what if I get into a difficult spot, you know, what do I do, and you know, what if a winter storm blows in, what do I do? Um, so I'll, I'll go through some of the things that I've learned and, and try to break down uh, some of those walls. So what is Icefields Parkway? It's a it's a highway from. Uh, Banff to Jasper, um, the the Icefields term really comes from the the piece that's from Lake Louise uh, to Jasper. What? But when 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 we hear of touring cyclists doing the route, usually they're talking about doing it from Banff to Jasper. So the full two hundred eighty eight kilometers. Uh, that distance does not change in the winter. Um, so my my plan of attack before I left was this was a route that I was scouting for. Uh, my guidebook uh, was very different uh, from a lot of the other routes and the fact that it was it was on a highway sort of um, it was in winter um, so a much different element than the than the other routes and uh by fat bike, so very specific uh, so my plan of attack was was to kind of look at this as a hut to hut experience um, so I know some of the questions that came in, one from Jonathan. Was asking about you know did I camp did I have camping gear and uh, you know honestly you, your camping options are pretty limited along the route um, legal camping options I should say there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of huts um, you know day use areas um, and that sort of thing you can always just pull off in the woods but those those aren't legal camping options and I'd, furthermore I'd, I'd add to that um, for the people that. Would maybe plan that from the get go, and I did run into someone in Bath that said, "Oh, you know my husband and I had always thought about doing the route and camping along the way well those those day use areas if if that's what you're gonna use or really any area off the road, um you know if the the experience that I had was once you get off the road um you're you're dealing with like three four feet of snow on on either side. So if you're going to walk to anything, um, even if it's 20 feet, that is a considerable uh, use of energy, and uh, that's not even taken into account um, having to you know carry your bike or push your bike through all that. Um, you know, to give you an example of how difficult it was once you get off the road, there was one point where um, I was going to get water uh, yesterday. So yesterday was my big day. It was 172 kilometers. Uh, from the Athabasca hostel all the way to Mosquito Creek. And uh, water sources were kind of far and few between. They weren't frozen or, or snowed over. And there was this one little waterfall. It was like four feet away from me on the road. And just to walk to it, I, I took a few steps. And this is like waist deep snow. I turned back just because uh, it, it looked like it was going to take me 30 minutes just to get through the snow and back through it. I just figured it wasn't worth it. I would rather try to melt snow, so to now have to try to pull off the road to find somewhere to camp, whether it be at a shelter or um, sort of out of view. So let's say just twenty feet to to, to you know give an example. It would be it would be more effort than than what I'd want to put into it. So I very much look at the Icefields Parkway as a hut to hut experience, and and honestly, that's kind of like the one legal way to do it. There are a few winter campgrounds that are open. Um, I can't remember them all offhand. There's one right near Jasper, like right on the outskirts. So I'd say right there, kind of like, what's the point? I wouldn't really plan on that one. Um, I know there's one up at the Columbia Ice Field. I can't remember if that one's open in the winter. But really like that one and any others, like they're buried under snow, like three, four feet. And it just does not look like the kind of experience that I would want to have. And just looks like a lot of effort at the end of what would probably already be a long day for you. So for me, and then maybe this just comes from a place of not having done a ton of winter camping, I I look at this as checking the box on that hut to hut experience. So when I say hut to hut, I had people when very early on in the guidebook experience asking, you know, if I would create an experience like that um, to really cater to that desire to travel light and quick, um, you know, not have to carry the tent and the kitchen sink uh, to, to make a real go at it. And, and, there was really no routes, um, legal cycling routes, to make that happen. But the Icefields Parkway you know, has a series of hostels, and it's it's actually you know kind of perfect for it. Um, so my plan of attack before I left, I was going to do it over six days. So my first day was from uh, Canmore to Castle Junction. I took the back way through to Banff um, through Goat Creek Trail, um, up over Whiteman's Pass down Goat Creek Trail, uh, into Banff. Um, the, the trail had not been packed down. It was very difficult, uh, terrain. I had to walk pretty much, um, uh, you know, 60% of it, maybe even more. Um, and that was the first 30, 40 kilometers, uh, of my day. Um, then once I got to Banff, um, there was a bit of dipsy doodling on, um, I was, I was trying to find a way where I didn't have to take the highway. Uh, there's a small connector piece. It's about six kilometers, uh, from Banff to where you connect on to the Bow Valley Parkway. Now there is a bike path. There are some paths that kind of connect that area, but, but as I learned, they're all snowed over. Um, it'd be quite quite a nice route if you could make it happen they they skirt right along the edge of the vermilion lakes Um, but like i said it it's good for a few kilometers and then you hit snow and then you hit gates that are closed in the winter and it was kind of a frustrating point i had to turn around go back to town um so yeah really your only option is taking the highway connecting to the bow valley parkway and then from there you've got about 30 kilometers to Castle Junction, uh, which was my first hostel, got in about eight o'clock. Um, so day one was just as planned. Now my day two was originally from Castle Junction uh, to it was going to be Rampart Creek hostel, and that was going to be a good uh, sizable day. It was going to be well over hundred kilometers. Um, But what I ran into uh, the day before I left, the the Dicefield Parkway had actually been closed uh, from Saskatchewan Crossing to the Athabasca hostel area. So pretty much, you know, a good chunk of the the highway had been closed for avalanche concerns. Um, So my booking was cancelled and there was no kind of clear understanding of when it would be open. So, my next day was a short one, um, was to the hostel Lake Louise, which is another 30 kilometers, which completed the Bow Valley Parkway. Um, Bow Valley Parkway uh, was a mixture of kind of snow and packed ice, you know, a, a road that had seen snow, that had seen some traffic, that had packed it down. Um, perfect for the, the fat bike experience. Not a ton of uh, cars. My um, left on a... Or hit that section on a on a Monday, um, so you know the bulk of the the skiers in the area have already gone home for the weekend. Um, so I had the highway pretty well to myself. Uh, so Lake Louise, short day, um, and then uh, lo and behold, the Icefield Parkway opened up, or it sounded like it was going to open up. So I pushed on. Uh, unfortunately rampart creek was booked so i had to push on to uh, beauty creek which was would make for like a 100 i think it was like 140 kilometer day um i left super early it was like five thirty a.m in the morning on uh day this would be start of day three uh it was the coldest of the days uh, i think it was about minus 10 when i started um and it's all uphill the first 30 kilometers are about are all uphill up to uh, bow lake or uh, the bow summit. Um, So a challenging start to the day and uh, you know, to put this in perspective, I I don't have a ton of winter cycling experience. So it was a bit of a shock to be, you know, riding uphill fully layered with, you know, frost on my face and all on my jacket and to be riding this, this bike that feels uh, twice as heavy as anything I've ever ridden. But, feels totally reasonable for the conditions, So that was something that was pretty interesting about the fat bike experiences. I never once thought of it as like this heavy lug. It, it always felt like the right tool for the job. And uh, quite often I would think, you know, what would it be like to be riding my regular mountain bike, even if it had uh, studded tires? And I just, I could just see myself all over the road slipping and sliding. So I never once looked down on the fat bike. I always felt like it was the right tool for the job and uh, would still recommend that uh, very much for others that a fat bike with um, studded tires or or maybe even like a regular mountain bike with uh, plus size wheels, that is uh, definitely the way to go. You know, you could do it on a regular mountain bike, but um, I think you're going to make it unnecessarily difficult and uh, possibly unsafe for yourself. Uh, so, day three uh, to Beauty Creek. Uh, so, over the two big mountain climbs, the Bow, Bow Summit and uh, over the Columbia Icefields. Um, day was pretty reasonable, is what I expect. More kind of packed snow and ice. Uh, temperatures improved uh, as the day went on. Uh, and then, as I got up to the Columbia Icefield, Um, both, both ways there and back. That was, that was the one area that was, um, pretty like if I was to to describe this to someone else, I would say this, that was the area I'd really kind of pay attention to as far as uh, weather before I leave. Um, it's the most exposed, most windy. It's probably going to get the most snow. Uh, so it's the, the hairiest conditions, uh, going up and over through the Columbia ice field. Um, descending out of that to uh, beauty creek um so i went from what is the probably the the nicest hostel so when i say nicest Mm -hmm. i i say the hostel with the most amenities that being the one in lake louise so the one that um you know caters to skiers and and is more in the front country has wi-fi and all that great stuff uh to beauty creek which is um, a rustic hostel it's the most rustic of uh, all of them along the route Um, they, they give you a warning before you show up. You have to sign a waiver, um, in understanding what you're about to get into. Um, it could be, um, you know, four feet of snow against the side of the building. Uh, when you get there, uh, there's, you have to turn on the heat yourself. It's all propane, um, which I couldn't figure out at eight o'clock at night. Um, you're supposed to have a winter sleeping bag, which I also didn't have. Um, so my night was, uh, in my, in my uh, minus, I think it's like minus three sleeping bag that I use on the divide uh, with an emergency bivy uh, with a little shelter I made of uh, mattresses and uh, still in my hostel room, which is very much like a, um, the most rustic cabin in the woods you could think of. I could still see my breath um, as I slept at night. Um, so quite the experience and to have gone a full, you know, 15 hour day and that's what you come to. It's it's uh, pretty humbling and, and you have to kind of learn to keep your mind and emotions in check. It's, it's not really something to look forward to per se, but it is shelter. So uh, day three uh, to Beauty Creek. Uh, day four was mostly downhill uh, to Jasper. Now I encountered rain. And uh, the, the roads, I started to see more asphalt at this point uh, because the rain had cleared away the snow. Um, so it was a bit of a faster day getting to Jasper. And then I turned around uh, after a quick restock and quick meal, uh, headed back to the Athabasca hostel, which is about 30 kilometers south of uh, Jasper. And that made for, I think it was about 115 kilometer a day. So these days are all not what I would put in a guidebook. They were pretty extreme distances. Um, but to some degree with the Hut Tut experience, I was at the whim of, um, you know, what hostels were open um, what ones had availability. So all the hostels, they all, they all have uh, one day where they're, where they're not all or they're not open each week. Um, and they're different for each hostel. So it was at the whim of that, but also what was, uh, available and then what was not closed due to, uh, avalanche concerns. So you can't necessarily go into, this experience was saying, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to take six days and I'm going to go stay at this place, this place, and this place. Um, because the reality is, is that while you're on route, something might close. Uh, there's a lot of kind of unforeseen exp- um, things that can happen. Uh, so I think the, the smarter approach is still go with the, the hostile approach in mind, um, but have some flexibility as far as, um, scheduling goes. Uh, so day, day four back to Je- or back to Athabasca hostel. Um, that's probably my favorite hostel of all of them. I, I'm not really sure why it is. I think it, probably both times I've been, I've gotten a private room. Um, it just makes for a better sleep. Um, it's a lot easier in the morning. Um, when you get up at like, like the next morning I got up at 4am, uh, to get going, like you're not worrying about disturbing people. Uh, their, their main, their main lodge area, uh, where their, their burners and their fridge and all that. Um, it's open 24 hours. So I could just quickly go in there and make myself something eat and then hit the road. And I didn't disturb anyone and just had a better, I've always had a better quality sleep there. So day five was, um, set to be my longest day and it was going from Athabasca hostel, up and over the two passes again, um, to Mosquito Creek, which is on the downslope of the, the bow summit pass, uh, headed back down to Lake Louise. So that day made for 172 kilometers. I knew it was pretty ballsy, um, before I left, um, you know, on a road bike, totally doable. Um, but you know, in winter conditions, you know, a storm could blow in, You never know what the road conditions are going to be like, and you know, a speed of, um, you know, a high speed of like 15 kilometers an hour, maybe starts plugging along at five kilometers an hour. So I kind of half expected not to make it to Mosquito Creek, Um, but I I plugged along with the thought that if I didn't, well, there's, there's numerous makeshift shelters I could I could figure out along the way. So although I said I, I wouldn't necessarily try to go or plan on going into the woods, you know, walking 20 y- yards off the road and, and trying to make a camp somewhere, just because it'd be like agonizing agonizingly difficult to to, to do that. There are, are a lot of rest stops um that uh you know if you had to make a shelter you could stay in a washroom overnight. Um, especially on the Jasper side, there seems to be quite a few more of uh, those roadside stops. And they are plowed, so you can get to them quite a bit more easily. Um, and then worst case scenario, if I ran into a tough spot, um, there are phones at a lot of those uh, little rest stops. Um, and I was surprised. They, they all had service. Um, they might be buried under snow but I would quite often just like climb the mound just to see if they had service. And uh, lo and behold, they did. So just know that, you know, even though you don't have cell coverage for, you know, 90% or more of the route, that there are a good number of payphones out there. Um, you don't need change. It's it's a credit card or collect. And uh, you could make a call if need be. And uh, there are rangers uh, patrolling the road that could probably uh, pick you up. So day five, I made it to Mosquito Creek. I got in at, uh, it was like nine o'clock at night. We made for about a 16-hour day. Um, I was pretty white. Um, As I was coming up and over uh, Bow Summit or Bow Pass, um, it was snowing. It was a bit of a blizzard. Uh, It was pitch black, and I couldn't see pretty well, only five feet in front of me. Um, And as I was descending, it it felt like it was taking a lot longer to get to the hostel than what I had banked on. And it got to the point actually where I thought I would actually gone past the hostel, um, which is not totally unreasonable because they're not very well signed. And um, especially with the high banks of snow, there's there's a chance that that sign could have been covered and I might not have even seen the hostel. So, yeah, I got to the point where I thought I'd gone past it and I I was getting frustrated and I kind of resolved to the idea that I was just going to have to keep keep going another 30 kilometers to Lake Louise and uh, get a room there. Um, but just at my high point of frustration, I came up on the hostel and um, a lot of the hostels there, they're they're open till uh 10 i think they kind of accept you accept you until 10 p.m that's when the quiet hour is so i made it in snuck in just under the wire and uh got my room all good and then uh last day was was relatively easy today it was uh downhill to lake louise there was a lot of fresh snow on the road so it wasn't quite clear sailing uh sprint down to lake louise but uh there was a nice carrot on the edge of the string, knowing that uh, you know I could get a coffee and some breakfast sandwiches or something in town. And then the last sixty kilometers to Banff, back along the ice field, or uh, back along the Bow Valley Parkway, um, very much like how I started. You know, snow-packed ice, um, but perfect with a fat bike with uh, studded tires and uh, nice, nice temperatures uh, throughout. You know. Um, I know Greg Ventigo mentioned something about I, I picked one of the worst weather windows. But uh, to be honest, while I was out there, you know, the temperatures, they hovered between, say, about minus 10 um, and a few degrees on the, the plus side. So the temperatures were always very reasonable. Um, but I, I was saying that the, the geyser rebound cycle on my way back through that I, I did really run through the gamut as far as uh, snow and ice conditions. So, um, you know, as I mentioned, the, the road had been closed for avalanche concerns. Um, but the road was all also periodically closed throughout the day to traffic for, um, ice concerns. Now this, this wasn't a problem for me. Cause again, I had the, the studded tires, um, but, uh, you know, just things to pay attention to, um, before you leave and, um, yeah. So I, I actually thought that it was actually pretty good weather window. I was, I was never shivering. I was, I always felt totally prepared. Um, as long as I didn't mind riding in slush or rain, um, you know, I was, I was a happy camper. So a few other questions came in, is the road close to cars? So I think I answered that it's not closed. Um, but there are periodic closures and, uh, you won't know it while you're riding. Um, The only way you'll know it is uh, if it's like 10 o'clock in the morning and you haven't seen any cars go by, uh, there's a good chance that probably there's a closure happening behind you. Um, And then all of a sudden you'll see a long string of cars uh, come up. Um, So Megan Dunn was asking, I think she said, how many cars uh, would you see? Um, So I think that's, you know, kind of one of the concerns uh, for people to do this route. So in the summer, it's there's there's a pretty good shoulder in, along most of the road, and um, but there there is a lot of tourist traffic. Um, so if if you had that same traffic in the winter, it would make for um, I don't know I don't I don't want to say more unsafe, but yeah, you the the likelihood that there would be some altercations would go up because the the shoulders is, is not. Defined for for you as a cyclist, nor are the lanes of traffic defined. Um, now you, you throw in um, you know compact black ice and these sorts of things. It, it, it could make for you know some troubling uh, scenarios. Um, but the the number of cars that I saw, if I had to put a number on it, I'd say I saw an average about three an hour. Um, most of them were trucks. Um, Seem to be young guys in trucks. Um, They're either uh, going through for work. um, They're carrying uh, ATV or um, snowmobiles. So they all seem pretty, you know, experienced with backcountry terrain. You would still definitely encounter uh, tourists. You could always tell because they were in like the budget rental cars. Um, And then a surprising amount of the vehicle traffic was actually the the park i'm not sure what the proper term is but the the rangers the wardens um i'm not sure if that's normal uh, but i i would seem to see one of one of their vehicles it seemed like every every other hour uh going up and down i'm not sure if it's it's uh, patrolling for you know cars that have gone into the ditch and that sort of thing um wildlife concerns i i don't think that's too big on their plate. I, I I didn't really see any big wildlife, um, big game out there. It was mostly along the the bow Valley Parkway that I saw elk. Um, so yeah, I think they're patrolling for for cars that get into trouble spots. Um, but you know, also for the for the people that are interested in backcountry camping or tent camping, you know, something to keep in mind is that these people are are pretty diligent in their patrol. Um, and, uh, like I said, you'd have to be pretty far off the road for them not to see you and or a fire. So, um, you know, here's my disclaimer. It's not something that I'm, I'm recommending. Okay. So how many cars I see about three an hour. So if you got into a trouble spot, you know, a lot of them are trucks and, uh, I didn't have very many people stop to ask if I needed help. Um, but when they did, it was usually in stormy conditions um, or at night, uh, because understandably they probably wonder why someone was, uh, up climbing a mountain in the middle of nowhere, um, in a blizzard, um, with just a small headlight on, um, who wouldn't stop, you know? Um, so there's, there's cars out there. Um, there's pay phones, there's wardens, there's hostels. So you have all the elements here to create um, you know, a legitimate safety network to really make a go at this. Um, so don't feel like just because you don't have cell service doesn't really mean you're necessarily on your own. There's people all around you, okay? Um, did I see any other cyclists? Um, the only cyclist I saw was who I now have realized was Corey Wallace from Jasper and uh, Leighton um, his buddy Layton, they do a ride along the ice field each year. So I think I saw them, uh, doing a section of it. They were just coming to town. Although I, I didn't make the connection at the time because they just looked at it like they were up for a day ride. And I heard after the fact that I think they, they quite often do, a, um, a smaller segment. So not the full route and they, they have support. So that's, that would explain why they don't have all their gear, but, uh, yeah, they were the only, the ones I saw out there. Um, uh, yeah, no, I, I think that was it. Yeah, no, just, just them. I didn't see anyone else with like bike packing gear or making a go of it on a fat bike. Uh, let's see here. Any other cyclists? Do people stop? I think I meant, uh, answered that one. I I, su- I didn't get really a lot of people honking at me. Um I was kind of surprised by that. like good honks or cheers. I had a little bit of that on the first day. Um but not so much once I got onto the Icefield Parkway. Um stuff I learned on the ground. So from a guide p- perspective, um I I could list probably 60% of the relevant details, maybe even more just by google searching so you know it's a it's a road i know the distance i can very easily map out the elevation i know where the hostels are i can research when they're open um so really the 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 goal here is one was to get some pictures um and that's why i did the down and back because i knew that um there was a good chance um the weather conditions would be different going both ways so you know, one way I might not even, you know, like for example, the Columbia Icefield uh, going, uh, I had really good views. Coming back, it was totally whiteout conditions. So had I just gone the one way, I might not have seen seen that. Um, so stuff I, I learned on the ground uh, that's relevant uh, to those doing this, um, like pay phones, uh, knowing that they work, uh, talking to the people at the hostels. Um, a really good example is Uh, the Rampart Creek Hostel which is uh, about 10-15 kilometers north of Saskatchewan Crossing Uh, so let's just call it your halfway point Um, it had been booked um, for my return trip I was hoping to make it there instead of doing it the epic day to Mosquito Creek Um, so it had been booked for days um, but when I showed up there was no one there and uh the hostel manager had mentioned that um they periodically book um all the rooms when when there's avalanche concerns but he said you know more than welcome to stay and he was very kind he he helped um give me some water and allowed me to cook up some noodles uh now would i when i would i put that in a guidebook i probably not um but it's good for you to know that um, even if even if you don't plan to stay at a particular hostel or if your plans change on a dime because of the weather or avalanche concerns um it's it's just good to know that um you know the the people that run these places i think they 're pretty understanding to the 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 through traveler, especially someone on a bike and uh even if they didn 't have a bunk for you i I got the distinct impression um, that they would, they would uh, go out of their way to help you. So just know that that's an option. Uh, so stuff I learned on the grounds, uh, phones, uh, talking to the hostile people. Um, you know, I already knew that a lot of things would not be open, uh, services along the way. So that's actually a good point is that you need to carry all your own food from Lake Louise to Jasper. There's no places to restock along the route. Uh, so for me, the light and quick approach that meant a lot of bars, um, you know, cheap noodles, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, because you've, you've got basically a 220-kilometer push where you gotta carry your all your own food. Um so I knew that going in. Um, it was interesting. Okay. Some things off the top of my head. So I knew that they plowed the roads, um, but I never thought to ask, you know, how often do they plow? So um, quite often I would only see the plows go by um, on one way. I'd see it go by once. And then I would see one going by the other way. So to say that the road is plowed, and this, this isn't so more, so important for the, the fat biker, but more for the cars is just to, to know that a, a road is plowed doesn't mean that it's plowed all day. It just might be plowed once throughout the day. Right. Um, so plows, uh, it is plowed, but not, not on a regular basis like that. That is a long stretch to, to have a, uh, plows going. Uh, that's something that I learned. Um, I learned you know what to expect as far as kind of the dodgier areas and I mentioned really the the climb up to the Columbia Icefield that's pretty much the most exposed <clears throat> area up there um both there and back where I had the most challenging weather um where I'd be hiking uh some of the hills just cuz I I couldn't find traction or it was it was too difficult um what else did I learn on the ground Um, you know, things that I would check, I would go check to see if the washrooms were open. Like, do they lock them? You know, could those be an emergency shelter if you needed it? Um, which they all were, um, I'm sure more will come to me. I'm just kind of going off, you know, what I can recall in the moment here. Uh, I think that's it. Okay. So restocking, I touched on that. You got to carry all your own stuff from Lake Louise to Jasper. Um, you know, for so for me, for, for a 15-hour push, which is uh, pretty extreme, so from 5 in the morning till, say, 9 at night, um, you know, how many calories do you need? Well, uh, at the low end, you're looking at, like, basically a chocolate bar an hour. So, uh, you know, 240, 300 calories an hour. Um, it is doable. So if you work backwards from there on the, the number of days that it will take you, Um, and then plan on like, uh, kind of a more substantial dinner and maybe a lunch, uh, which for me was usually two packs of, uh, ramen noodles, um, at each sitting and, uh, on the way up, uh, also a can of tuna. Um, I really tried to stay away from anything that had water in it. Um, uh, just for concerns that it would freeze. Like my, my cans of tuna would freeze solid, um, now I'm not a very picky eater. I didn't mind chiseling my tuna, um, but I know some people would probably have issue with that. Um, oh, here's another good one: uh, water sources. So this was this was definitely something I learned on the ground. You can't Google this. Is there is a ton of uh, running water all throughout um, the Icefields Parkway and the Bow Valley Parkway, uh, but when I went through both ways most of it was frozen over or um, covered in snow so you wouldn't even see it Um, so a lot of the water sources were actually very difficult uh, to get to Um, I carried two bottles with me um, which again is emphasizing light and quick Um, and those would usually have to last me probably four or five hours I never was really thirsty um, which surprised me. Um, but yeah, they, they would have to last me quite a while, um, because it would be an effort to walk to, uh, any of the more substantial water sources. Um, so when you can get it, uh, when you see one, always fill up your bottles. Um, Something I um, I, learned—I hadn't practiced this in in probably over a decade—but just melting snow and and realizing how long it takes to do something like that. Um, So on the way up, I was a little naive. I said, "Oh, you know, if if I I need water, um, or if I need to cook something, I'll just melt some snow." There's tons of snow around, Um, but what I learned from that experience was is that it probably took four times longer to melt snow. Um, than it would be to just get water when I saw it and to do it right then and there. So my recommendation uh, to those going up behind me is um, if you're going to cook something that needs water or you need to fill up your bottles, do it in the moment. Don't think, oh, you know, there might be something down the road. If you're getting to that point where you think you might need it, uh, just do it then and there. It just it takes way too long to uh, to melt snow. You're looking at like Probably like a 40 minute hour stop if you're gonna make a meal. Um, furthermore, uh, to melt snow, um, the most accessible snow is the, the banks uh, that line the highway and um, you know as, as the plows go by, they're dropping uh, salt and uh, sand and rocks and that all gets mixed up into the banks. And, uh, you have to be prepared for if that's the snow you're going to melt, that's what's going to be in your, your Mr. Noodles. Um, so I would be straining out rocks and things like that. And it sounds goofy. I, I realize this saying it out loud, but when you're in the moment and you have a four foot high snow bank and, um, to get to like, say clean snow is, looks like it'd be like a 40 minute endeavor to try to get through waist deep snow. To go there and back, and to melt snow, you're, you'd be making multiple trips. Um, it's a lot harder than than you would realize. So take the water sources when you can get it, um, and be very careful um, because you, you can't see your footing, um, and you don't know exactly what you're stepping stepping in, how deep that snow is going to be. You know, are you stepping over a guardrail that you're just going to collapse over? Um, you got to be really careful when you when you get off the road um yeah water source is very interesting take it when you can get it um, and again that would be another uh, opportunity to stop at the hostels uh, to get water now I'm not going to put this in the guidebook as a do this um, recommend it because I don't think it's fair to them if you're not staying there um, but just know that if you are in a bind kind of like the sleeping uh, that those 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 um, Resources are out there, okay. Water sources, food choices talked about, you know, so a little bit more on that. Uh, you know, I I was budgeting like 240 300 calories an hour, Uh, so you are dipping into your fat stores, uh, which is totally fine. Um, My choices were were trying to get away from things that have water in them, Um, so you know, you're getting into a lot of convenience store items which is kind of a point of contention with bike packers. You have kind of the one extreme that likes to uh, you know, sit on the side of the road and uh, dice up their avocados and uh, make a little stir fry. And then you have those that are like me that um, would rather just you know get the, the quick and dirty option. Um, but the quick and dirty option, I think it would actually kind of uh, serve you better um, for the amount of calories you'll need to carry. Um, I posted a picture with a bunch of candy bars on the bed and, um, I knew I would catch a bit of flak fat cause you know, I, I work with hammer nutrition and people you know kind of expect better from me. But, um, when you boil it down to the science of it, it actually makes a lot more sense than you're thinking. So the, the candy bars, they have, uh, all on average at 240, 300 calories an hour. Um, they'll have nuts, they'll have sugar, Everything you need to, to, to fuel you while you're going, um, they're they're cheap. So, you know, if you were to compare uh, 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 like a granola bar or like a more substantial health bar at a convenience store, we're talking like a bar that costs like three, four bucks to a candy bar that costs like a buck fifty on the high end. OK, so then economics of it for the calories uh, makes sense um you know you throw the the noodles in on that cat into that too um i wasn't doing it because i I just like eating junk food it it just it from a practical uh, calorie packing standpoint it it makes the most sense um next to just carrying a pad of butter um honestly would probably be your next uh, best choice as far as compact calorie sources that aren't going to freeze um what is my gear okay so that was a good question so I rented a bike from uh, Rebound Cycle. It was a fat bike, it was uh, salsa uh, bear grease. Um, I put on my Crank Brothers uh, clip, clipless pedals, um, which I thought would totally disintegrate and blow up um, with all the snow and slush, um, but they held up uh, just fine um my packs i they're predominantly apodura packs uh who i'm sponsored by and they held up great um i had a salsa frame bag um and the reason i didn't have an apodura one was uh, because when i originally asked for a bunch of stuff uh none of my bags or none of my bikes have a big enough middle triangle to support um a frame bag and i always find that's in a smaller triangle it's better to use, um, use that area for just water. Um, but with the, the fat bike, I it opened up a new door, so I had to borrow a salsa frame bag. All those held up well, no problems as far as, um, water seeping in, um, in slushier conditions. Um, granted all my apodura bags are all waterproof. Um, so that's important, um, for slush and or snow that just melts as you're going. Uh, the tires on the fat bike, they were studded. Um, and those, you know, although you're going to hit some pretty long paved sections, potentially, if it's warm out, um, just know that those, the, the studded tires, you know, albeit more expensive, um, they will uh, be worth their weight in gold. Um, you know, one example that comes to mind is, um, from the Athabasca Creek hostel, pretty much all the way to Beauty Creek, which is sixty kilometers. So that was my start of my day five. There was almost sheer ice almost the entire way, and the road had been periodically close to traffic. And um, I honestly don't know if I would have been able to do it without studded tires. So. Although they, they may get worn down uh, from the, the paved uh, sections, just know that um, they they are the gear of choice uh, for doing this kind of route. You want to be prepared for everything. You don't want to assume that you can get by with, with lesser. So studded tires, the salsa bike, um, bar mitts too, which I would have on and off. Um, it was actually uh, at times too warm. So I would just use... Uh, my uh, Louis Garneau gloves, uh, which worked out great. Um, I also had Louis Garneau uh, boots, which worked out tremendously too, and a new pair of craft pants that uh, worked out much better than um, I was expecting. It was never once cold. I was never once uh, soaked uh, to the bone. Uh, It was just perfect all around. Um, What else as far as gear? you know, people are going to ask about gearing and all that. And to be honest, it was a rental bike. I don't really think much beyond it. To me, the bike's always a tool. Um, when I put attention to detail, it's, it's into the packs, the clothing, and uh, me uh and my physical and mental preparation i've i've never been one that's big to to overanalyze my bike i i've always been in a position where if someone's going to give me a bike to use uh, i'm just happy to have it and i don't think beyond that Um, but i did have two chain rings in the front and uh, i think it was 10 on the back that's what i can tell you and sram uh components 10 or 11 gears on the back actually i don't know Uh, what other gear, uh, as far as like what was in my packs, um, so mostly spare clothing. Um, as I mentioned, I think earlier I had a sleeping bag, um, an emergency bivy, just in case I had to pull one of those, um, nights out in a washroom. Um, I did carry a stove in pots, um, which I did use a couple of times, um, at the beauty Creek hostel. And then once along the road, just to make noodles and, and boil water, um, definitely would carry that. I think that's beneficial to have, you know, you could do the whole thing on candy bars, but it's, it's nice to have a warm meal too. And, um, I've always found that, um, you know, you get a meal that has a little more complex carbohydrates and it It just keeps you a bit fuller for a bit longer. So that's when I'd have my frozen tuna and my, my noodles. So I think that's, that's about it. I I didn't carry a tent. Um, although it's not a terrible idea, but then again, if, if I really got into a pinch, honestly, I I would just try to, um, work my way into a hostel. Um, I think that's going to be a safer, better option. Um, yeah, buzz is kind of wearing off here. I've <laughs> been talking for a long time. Anyways, uh, that is kind of my quick, quick and dirty Coles notes version of, uh, cycling the parkway. Um, the, the short of it is I, I would definitely recommend it to others. It's something that you can't go into with a foolproof plan. You want to have a couple of extra days banked. You want to bank on the fact that you might not necessarily stay at all the places you'd planned on. Um, as far as out and back versus going one way, um, I went out and back for, for a few reasons. One, um, because that was kind of the, the hardcore experience I was looking for. Um, I knew it would give me more opportunities to take pictures and videos and uh, hopefully see some, get, get a bit more well rounded of an experience uh, to prescribe to others. If you wanted to do just the one way, um, there are shuttles that go uh, back from Jasper uh, to Banff and then I think on to Calgary. There's uh, sundog tours and I did see one other tour bus. I can't remember the name off the top of my head. And, uh, I saw them each go through maybe once a day. Uh, so that option is there, but then again, you, you are at the whim of, of the road conditions. And, uh, uh just because you book on a certain day doesn't mean that they will travel on a certain day. Uh, so out and back or the one way, um, it will be an interesting route for the guidebook. Uh, I don't, know off the top of my head if I'm going to put a set amount of days behind this I think I think I'm going to suggest you know if if I was to do this again here in a perfect world here are the hostels I would stay at you know I would probably shoot for I'd go Banff to Lake Louise um, for day one day two I'd go Lake Louise to Rampart Creek Uh, day three I would go Rampart Creek to Athabasca uh, and then last day, just roll into Jasper. No, those make for sort of 100-kilometer days, um, which will be a little extreme for some. Now, um, you know, I'd like to think that if you're going to take on a winter cycling experience like this, you've probably trained for it. You probably have um, a fair amount of experience with winter biking. You're not just someone like me that rents a bike. And uh, has never tested any of his winter gear and just does it. Um, so I imagine that if you go into this, you 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 are prepared more than just say going thirty or forty kilometers a day. Um, but that said, I, I think that this route is going to be a little more open as far as my recommendations. Um, it's going to be more of a general. Here are just the things to know for cycling the the Dicefield Parkway, and then the rest you'll have to figure out yourself. Um, Yeah, verbal diarrhea. I think I got it all out. All right, back to the beer, I think. Um, Thanks for listening. Whoever's listening, hope you got something out of it. Um, And as always, I'm totally open to to questions by email uh, on Facebook. Um, and in the next week, uh, keep an eye out. Like I said, I took tons, took tons of video, tons of pictures, and uh, I'll be posting those uh, in some form or, or another um, over the next uh, week. Other than that, uh, just, yeah, happy with the experience. I think it's, it's a really cool option. Um, something that's, that's it's, it's an old favorite but uh, looked at in a new light um, and, and definitely, I think, something that will grow in popularity. And with that, um, I'm going to get back to the beer. All right, cool. Enjoy the rest of your, well, this will be your Saturday. And uh, yeah, have a good weekend. On to another week. Back from another venture. Happy to be safe and sound and uh, looking forward to the, the birthday fun ahead. All right, thanks for listening, guys. Bye now.